Thank you, Lord. We are expectant this morning for what the Lord is doing, what he's already done, and what he's about to do. We welcome you, Lord, to move the way that you want to. And we step aside. We lay ourselves down, Lord, so that you can have your way. And we want you. We want more of you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Not gonna live by what I feel 
see your glory I believe in my life I believe it in my family more of you more of you and less of me I believe I believe you can turn anything around you have the solution I can see it all in a new way through the eyes of faith thank you Lord
evermore Just like, just like you did it before Lord, we are ready for more Just like, just like you did it before Lord, we are ready for more Lord, we are ready for more Yes, Lord, we are ready for more Lord, we are ready for more Come on Lord, we are ready. Come on, fire, fire, fire. Fall on us. Start a new revival. Fire, fall on us. All right, you know what? There may not be very many of us in here, but I'm going to tell you what. The fire of God can still fall because he just wants to fall on those who desire it. And if you desire a greater measure yes. of his his love, his power, that's what we're talking about. The baptism of fire on the day of Pentecost had come. They were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to be on them tongues resembling fire which were being distributed. And they rested on each one of them as each person received the Holy Spirit and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Come on, we're going to ask, you know what? This is not just for a, a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, retreat or women's and men's retreat. You know what? Every time we gather together in this house, Every time we yes. gather together, we want the fire, the tongue of fire on our head. We don't want to ever let that burn out. And you know what? Sometimes the trials and tribulations try to dim the fire on us. But guess what? Guess what? All we have to do is say, stir within me the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul told Timothy. He said, you know what? Stir within you the fire of yes. God. As you stir within you the fire of God, you will not have a spirit of fear, but you will have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. This house, this house is going to be ablaze. I don't care if there's a handful. I don't care if it's packed out. We're going to be ablaze. We're called to be ablaze for him. This place is going to be a life giver. And the fire of God is life giving. It does not consume you to destroy you. It consumes all the junk out so that you walk a pure life, which is an empowered life. And we're going to be a house that the nations will know as a house of fire, as a house filled with his fire. Yes. Not here and there, not once, once every six months, but every time we gather together, fire, fire, fall down on us. Come on, let's sing.
Ghost and fire. Fill me, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and fire. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and fire. Changing now, everything is changing now. 
The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. 
See it. 
And Jesus just spoke to me when we're under that, when he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. And he saw him with the word of knowledge. And he said, here is a man that has no deceit. This is what he says about him. 
and he calls it he says I saw you under the fig tree and Nathaniel knows that he is giving him a word of knowledge he knows it in the moment but the interesting thing is this it's a moment where Jesus calls Nathaniel and he says you know what Nathaniel pretty much you haven't seen anything yet if you think that's great there's more to come in that moment in May I felt like the Lord said you've seen some great things Lynn but I got way more for you to see and I feel like in this house we've only just begun to see what the Lord has to do in our lives because it always begins in us then through our lives in our lives and through our lives why because if we just think that it's going to be through our lives then we could lack integrity and we could lack authenticity because it comes about performance it becomes about something outside of us but it needs to be like what jesus said in john 7 37 out of where your belly shall flow rivers by which he meant the holy spirit you guys can be seated it is meant for us to be authentic if anything I'm not looking for fast growth I'm looking for authentic growth I'm not looking for people who uh, chase after manifestations or experiences I'm looking for God chasers meaning I want more of you Lord and less of me because the fact is this as there's more of you Lord and less of me there's more powerful river of God that flows out of my life it's life in the spirit I have a word for you today I was up at three we came in late afternoon went right to bed we were uh, in transit for I don't know how many hours 30 hours so I always say if you don't think you all can make it I made it so you all can make it here you know but even more so the Lord gave a word this morning about restoration but I want to say tell you a story about a man and wife I met while we were in Nepal and it's it's interesting how when you meet somebody that's super authentic that they shine with Jesus in a way that you know that they have walked with Jesus in the fire alone there was this couple we were in the jungles of Nepal in Chitwan we love Chitwan now Chitwan's a beautiful place we had a, a, a gathering there a revival gathering the Lord moved in this pastor's church while we were there prophetic words the people just drank up the presence of the Lord they just drank it up and the Lord said you know what they're drinking Lynn because they're not taking it for granted that what they're receiving is so fresh and new and desire they're so desirous of the things of the Lord so we had a powerful time and sometimes I even feel a little not guilty but aware of the fact that we can get used to the kind of presence we have here and we start to take it for granted did you know that we can get used to it and then we go we become finicky eaters come on but when you're out doing it you, you don't become a finicky eater 
So we're out there with a lot of hungry people, and the, there's a pastor here, and later the next morning, he came out of the jungle where we had been with his church, he and his wife, and they borrowed a motorcycle to come and talk with us at our hotel, in our hotel room. Remember, it's a highly sensitive country. And this man, probably in his 40s, tells us his story, his testimony. And this is his testimony. When I was 12, I saw a track, a gospel track in Nepalese on the ground, and I picked it up. And I read this track, and it told me about Jesus. And I was a son of a witch doctor. And when I read this, I knew that Jesus was real. And I, as a 12-year-old boy alone, he received Christ as his Savior. In the, he lived in the village area. And he began to tell people of, that he had received Christ. And the village came after him and started to beat him. Remember, he was only 12, just a young guy. And his dad, the witch doctor, rescued him from the village people trying to beat him, to kind of defended him to a certain degree, and then told him, you need to be a witch doctor. That's what you're supposed to be. He said, no, I can't be a witch doctor, dad. I have accepted Jesus. Now remember, he's a young guy. And his dad told him, well, then Jesus is going to provide all your needs. So when he needed something, a blanket, whatever he needed, and he would come to his dad. His dad says, said, go to Jesus. Go to your Jesus. And he wouldn't provide it for him. And in a spirit of rejection to try to force him back into Hinduism and being a part of this spiritual home that was in darkness and so he told us this story and as he grew basically an outcast in his own family although his dad didn't allow the village to kill him he was still an outcast and grew up in his teenage years as a young adult serving Jesus alone the only believer in his village and I, when I'm singing that song, uh, it may, I'm in the fire and I might be alone. I think Jesus was with him. He said Jesus was with him. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic because he knew Jesus. I mean, sometimes we visit Jesus. I mean, what I mean is the awareness of Jesus in our lives. But he lived with Jesus as a young man. And so he grew up and he started church planting or evangelizing. And, you know, in those settings, they get arranged marriages. His father said, there is no one to marry you, so you will be alone. And he just could pray, only could pray. And God miraculously provided a Christian young lady who was his wife, who was a partner in ministry. So he was no longer alone. Beautiful thing. And he starts to church plant by evangelism. We were at his church. He's probably now in his 40s. The, the man that we work with, Brother Timothy, met him about a decade, 12 years prior to us being with him, and uh, helped to connect him to 
the church uh, planting movement that we're participating with. But as he told that story, I saw a trailblazer that believed on behalf of the people of his entire region. He was the first to believe. He was the first fruits. I saw how beautiful that is, you know? How beautiful that is. The reality of Jesus in the life of a teenage young man saying, in spite of the fact that everyone is against me, I know the reality of Jesus so strongly that it will be me and him alone for a long time. Me and him alone. That's a powerful thing. And I thought, you know, Lord, I'm in the presence of greatness in your kingdom. Somebody that did it alone for a long time, who walked alone, who endured the fire, who endured the trial, who endured the tribulation. And the last thing he said to us, he said, and he now has planted four churches in the region of Chitwan, which is the jungle region. Remember, we planted churches, building churches in the Himalayas, which is mountains. We were in the jungles this time. I didn't realize that they had rhinoceroses in the jungles there. Yeah, I'll tell you that. That's another story we'll tell you about later. But thought this is the real deal. He said, you know, I want you to know. I will plant churches until the day I die. And you know what? I believed him. I believed him. What a privilege, I thought. What a privilege for me to be in a person's presence who knows you like that, Jesus. It doesn't mean what, what you and I go through is any less challenging because we all have our journey. But I tell you that story to know, to let you know, there is such a powerful reality of walking with Jesus. There is such, there's nothing to compare with living for Jesus, holding nothing back. So many times we're holding something back for tomorrow, as if I'll do it tomorrow. And the Lord is saying to us, like he said to Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see. I have greater things for you. Either you can just stay under your fig tree or you can come and see. And I am challenging us in our journey with the Lord to not get distracted with the comforts of this world, to not get distracted with the things that could please our flesh. Not that good things are part of God's goodness. They are good things God has given to us for pleasure, but that we keep our eye fixed on the right priorities. You haven't seen anything yet. You think you've seen, I've, had, I've met people, some people have said this in this church, but just a few years ago, 
been there, done that. Talking about revival or whatever, I'm thinking to myself. Well, it didn't work if <laughs> you've been there, done that. You missed the point. You missed the point because when we're talking about being revived, we're talking about new life for the new season that God is uh, propelling us into. It's funny because one of the, the pastors, he's uh, young, he's 31 years old. He's all, you guys, have so all of us are old. All of us are I think I'm the youngest one in the crowd. I'm 57. Angie, Mike, David, Shelley, we're all 57 plus. And he said to us, you guys have so much energy. And the reason why he said that, it wasn't because we have it in our physicality. It's because it's Holy Spirit driven. And I can say this of many in our church, by the way. I can name some of the people in this house as they minister to people that they have Holy Spirit-fueled energy to do the work of the Lord, to have passion for the Lord. The greatest use serum is the Holy Spirit, by the way. The Lord is saying today, this morning, that He is going to restore some of us in this house. It's going to be a season of restoration. You know, part of the revival, and when we say revival, I don't, don't think of it as people put it in a box. Revival just means to be made alive again. And it doesn't have to do with externals. It has to do with internal. The internal passion for God to be quickened, to be stirred, to be, and also it has to do with being moved forward not to get stuck in uh, some uh, religious way or stuck in our comfort zone, but to move us forward. And the Lord is saying part of this revival I am sending now is restoration. There is going to be restoration in the lives of people. And these are the ways I'm going to restore. Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. There's going to be a restoration where, and this is what God will do is he's going to accelerate your life because there's been a season where you have been fighting in a battle and it feels like the enemy in some ways has won. He hasn't won, by the way, but it you understand what I, what I mean by when it feels like the enemy's winning because you don't see the results, right? You want the results, but you're not seeing. And so the Lord is saying, there is not wasted time in that season, but in the next season, I am going to accelerate you. I'm going to accelerate you and I'm going to pay, in a sense, pay back the years that you were spent in the toil of battle. Amen. I feel like the Lord's doing that in my life right now. I mean, the nations are opening up to us and it's crazy. It's like, I feel accelerated right now. So, but the Lord is saying there is a season of acceleration for restoration for the years and also just like I said the usefulness you will not you will not have the draining you will not be drained 
in that. But you're going to be refreshed. Come on, Jesus. Jeremiah 30, 17. The Lord says, I will restore health to you and heal your wounds. I'm going to restore health to you. And when he means this is, yes, physical, but he's also talking about relationship health. He's talking about financial health. He's talking about restored families, restored relationships with children, with unity in families, with oneness in families. He's, going, he's restoring health, and he's going to heal wounds. Sometimes, let me just say this, I love that he says, I am going to restore health to you and heal your wounds because sometimes we can have restoration but still react out of our wounds, right? We're still like reacting. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to touch you in such a way. This is part of my restoration, healing. The Lord is saying, I'm going to restore to you the joy of your salvation. The Lord wants to restore joy to the, the believers. There is great strength that comes through joy. There's great expectation that comes through joy. And uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom and fullness of joy. The Lord wants a joyful house joy in your ministry joy with what the Lord is assigning your hands to do joy in your job joy in your business joy he wants because it's going to be served as a great contrast to the world you know what this world is increasingly hostile this culture in U.S. is increasingly hostile. Did you know the nations watch and you know what they say about the United States? You're hostile towards each other. We have people in the Nepalese people saying, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you so mean to each other? The church, I'm saying this especially because political season comes in and you know what happens? People get hostile. In the church, Jesus Christ church, let us be full of joy. Even though the current around us is hostile and it wants to carry you into that hostility, I declare over this house, we're going to have joy. We're going to be a people that restore to us joy because we will be a strong house in the midst of the current of everything else that swirls around us. Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. You know what I notice about people? They have a great testimony, but they're ashamed to talk about it. Because they're afraid people are going to judge where they came from. Where their life was, where their marriage was, where their children were, whatever. Because they're afraid that people are going to say something was wrong with you. You should have never gotten that situation before. And I want this house to be a place where we share our testimony to give him glory. The Lord is breaking off shame and saying, you know what, I'm going to give you a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Isn't it interesting how joy is connected here? They shall rejoice. There shall be joy. Restoration brings joy. 
Jeremiah 33, 26. For I will restore their fortunes and will have mercy upon them. This is a beautiful thing. Isaiah, Joel, Jeremiah, the people God is giving this promise to were all together, by the way. They were broken. They had rebellion. And the Lord says, you know what? Even though you didn't have it all together, I am going to bring restoration to you. Aren't you glad? I don't have to get it perfect. God is not paying me for perfection. Restoration does not mean God pays us for perfection. Restoration is because of his everlasting love, his great mercy towards us. Finally, Job 42.10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. Some people in this house have had years like Job. And the Lord is saying, it ain't over yet. Just like Job had most of the book of Job is sufferings until the very last. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. First Peter 5.10, and after, this is Peter saying it to the church, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, strengthen you, and establish you. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, you know what? Get out of the way, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna make it personal. I'm gonna restore you. Some of you saying, you know what? I, I'm gonna believe God for that restoration. I just want you to stand. I'm believing God for restoration, even on this house. There are, we are, we have had, God has laid a foundation over crossroads. We've had a season, a 10 year season of foundation lane. We have a, had a season of pothole filling. The Lord has had a, we've had a season of excavation, removing what doesn't belong and placing what God says does belong. But the Lord is saying, I am restoring now. I am restoring. Some of you, I want you to believe God to restore. Some of us, the Lord is saying, believe me for the impossibility. Some of you need restored health. Some needs restored, um, restored joy. Some of you need restoring the years. You feel like, man, I've had some hard years and I feel worn out. And the Lord says, I'm going to restore the years. I'm going to accelerate you. Holy Spirit, right now, just raise your hands. Just receive the word of the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for your restoration. You paid for it. You paid for our restoration, Lord. We thank you, Father. We know that you are real, Lord. We know that your word is true. We know that you send your word to us. And Lord, what you ask of us, merely ask of us when you send your word is to believe. All we have to do is believe. Lord, I pray against double-mindedness where we believe and then we go out and we don't believe. And we begin to partner with the report of the world or the report of man or report of doubters. Lord, I say single-mindedness to believe, to believe with confidence, not believe because we see. Believe because you have spoken and we believe your word. Father, we stand on your word because your word is true. 
your your logos word is true your rhema word is true to us so we stand on that lord over this house over these people this day lord you are pushing us you are beckoning us you are pulling us into the new season you have for us you say come on you haven't seen nothing yet in comparison to what you've seen i have way more and you're beckoning us come and see come and see you have more you have more for us lord we we intently look to you father and we thank you father for your word in your name amen you may be seated you may be seated hopefully you guys had a good time while we were gone because we had a good time while we were gone except for our 20 30 hour trip 30 hour have, have you ever been on a almost 16 hour flight you have I know you have so much fun it's like total chaos in that plane you walk out of the plane you know when you're leaving the plane and it looks like there's been like an explosion of Ritz crackers everywhere, <laughs> soda cans, and Kleenex. It's a mess, but fun. Welcome. If you're a visitor, we welcome you to Crossroads. We're glad you're here. You can fill out a visitor's card, put it in the offering plate when it passes by in a few minutes. Want to highlight pastor's appreciation. Thank you for those of you that have given us cards. You can place something in the offering if you so choose to for pastor's appreciation. This is the last Sunday for that. I mean, hopefully you appreciate us all year, but the, this month is the highlight for that. Tongues of Fire, this, this Friday night at 8 p.m., be here. It's going to be a powerful time. I'm going to be preaching on new wine, the new wine the Lord has for us. He just revealed that word this morning. Our partners will be on with us live, worshiping along with us. It's a bilingual service. It's very unique. And a powerful time you can come you don't have to stay for the whole thing if you're tired i know some of you get up early but it's a good time to come team challenges with us here as well powerful time on wednesday november 16th wednesday evening is it at 7 or 6 30. have we done it at 6 30 in the past oh worship is 6 30. So everybody just comes for the food at 7. Okay, 6.30. I'm going to say 6.30. Bring your food. Actually, Teresa is kind of managing it. Please sign up for what you're bringing out in the lobby. Uh, so that way we have a diversity of foods. We do not need to revisit our past with all desserts. Okay, so please come to that. That's a lot of fun. And it's a time for us to have Thanksgiving dinner together. We have our ministry partners of the week, our... Um, Partners internationally is the Bangladesh Bible Training Center, and they're on the right-hand side. We will be visiting, I know we just got back, but in February, we will be working with them uh, and the church planters uh, two weeks. One Sunday we'll be gone. I'm just going to be real honest with you. So we'll do a real short time, but we're going to be doing pastors' conferences and youth conferences and all kinds of uh, ministry to Bangladesh. It's a new door. The Lord is open to Pastor David and I. I'm going to say to you something about the anointing that God, the new anointing, the greater anointing, I don't know, new, greater, whatever you want to say, 
is that God, I'm just going to be, can I just be honest? We're just amongst friends, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to impress or whatever. I'm just being honest. God is opening up doors that we have very, uh, however you want to call it. You can call it apostolic influence. You can call it spiritual mom and pop parenting to church planters and to pastors in these regions. India, Nepal, now Bangladesh. And it's not a mission trip like we go in and just, you know, meet and greet and whatever. But we have ongoing influence with them. Part of our job during our weeks here in the state, ongoing influence and nurturance of leaders. The Lord, we call, to call this church a global church. And part of, you know, a vision that God has for this, this is not a selected vision we opened up it's what God had is that he is causing us to step into um, roles and anointings to nurture leaders and pastors in these new territories and the commonality of these territories is this they have never had a revival before in the history of Christianity northern India Nepal, Bangladesh. And the Lord is calling us to do this, and it is a lot, it's, a, it's, it's not easy, but this is one of the groups that we're going to be going. It's going to be spying out the land. It'll be our first time in many years we've been to Bangladesh. So we will be going there in February for two weeks. We'll only miss one Sunday, but it'll be two weeks. So pray for us, pray for this nation. This nation is 90%, 99%, 98 Muslim, and so it is a um, challenging area to be in. Okay. Um, the other thing is, let's pray for our Crossroads kids. I know they had trunk or treat. We're highlighting a, a ministry of our own here at Crossroads. So let's pray for Pastor Sandy and our ministry team and the children and families of Crossroads. We're going to pray for increase. Please keep them in your prayers kind of some highlights I want to give to you on our trip really fast this is us this is the place that we dedicated this is the rescue living hope rescue and rehab center for the tra sex trafficking uh, people that we're going to be rescuing and this is the team us the team and some of the leaders that are going to be working with it that's inside the house next slide that's me praying for the two people. There's a, the pastor of the church. He's going to be working with this rehab center, rescue rehab, and this gal next to him. She is uh, Karen's sister-in-law. She has quite a testimony of deliverance and healing in her own life. And they, these two are going to be the, the leaders of the, the Living Hope Rescue and Rehab Center. I'll show you in a minute some, some of how they're going to do the rescuing. Next slide, please. That's me and Kieran at the women's conference. I'm speaking. We talked about fire. Baptism of fire is really powerful. Go ahead. That's Pastor David speaking in um, the church in Dangadi. That's where the rescue center is, but they also have a church. We built this church. We built the rescue center. You guys built this church. You guys built this rescue center. Okay. Next, uh, 
Now this is significant because we are out where they traffic people. This is a trafficking pathway uh, between Nepal and India. And there is a river, a big river, that they have suspended bridges that go into, um, I forget which state it is in India, Uttarakhand. What is the name of the state, Uttarakhand? Uh-huh. Yeah, and there's three bridges, two of which are policed, where they have um, people who check IDs, one of which that goes right into the jungle that there is no policing of that bridge. That is where a lot of the traffickers bring um, Nepalese people through to India to traffic them into India. Nepalese people are one of the most trafficked people in the world, actually. Many which end up in India in, in their um, brothels and other things. So what we're going to do is the two people that we just prayed over, they're going to be working with the police to be um, people on that bridge to uh, help to police it in a sense, to check information as people try to use the bridge. That's one way in which they're going to try to have interference for trafficking. They both have been trained in this uh, type of thing, so they're going to be working with the local government, which is going to bring a lot of favor with, from the church to the local government. And so we were praying over that region there as we look towards the bridge that has the trafficking that goes on. Next slide. This is us and the Living Hope Kids, and we took them to Kathmandu Fun Park. They had never been on a ride. Believe me, it was prayer time. <laughs> we, if Angie and Mike here know, but tell you what, it's like the rides, God bless it, 1950s, had no padding. So when you're, I know, it was crazy. But those kids never had been on a ride. They were so excited. We had so much fun with them and had a nice day with the kids there. They're doing very well. All of those kids, I've seen great, since six months ago when we were with them, great improvement in the children there. So they're doing very well. Next slide. This is our uh, service in Chitwan. I just gave you the testimony of the Chitwan pastor. This is in the jungle region that we went to. And this is um, one of the services, revival services that we had. And we, had, we drove seven hours on a very curvy, bumpy road to be in Chitwan, and it was a blessing, and the people really responded to the things of God. Next slide. This is us wearing um, traditional uh, Nepalese clothes, and they, our partners bought them for us because, <laughs> I'm going to be, because we weren't, uh, I, I got the impression we weren't wearing fancy enough clothes for uh, the conferences, and so they went and got us some um, fancier clothes. So I got to bring it next time. I got to bring better clothes. That's what I got out of it. It's like you're not dressing up enough for us. So they bought us these clothes, and so it's fun. It's fun to wear. Next slide. This is Pastor David. These are the church planters that we are nurturing. And they came from all over the regions, traveled some a couple days to be with us in Kathmandu. And uh, the guy in the blue jacket on the end, he's the one, he and his father, that's who we bought the, uh, the motorcycle for. His father has the Nepalese hat. 
and he's in the middle. He's in the center there. And we bought the motorcycles, those of you that gave the motorcycle money, and they're better. Yeah, one more slide. He drives his dad. That's, and there he is with the motorcycle that this church givers bought right there. Because you guys give, the gospel goes forth. And guess what? You're just as great in the kingdom as a giver as those that go. And you need to realize that. We're going to pray over our offering. Ushers, come forward. God has called this house to be givers. Amazingly, God is doing great things through this house. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we are privileged to give. It's not compulsion or guilt-ridden. But Lord, we are privileged to sow into your kingdom. We're privileged, Lord, to see with our eyes the miracles that you do in the lives of people. And Lord, these who we've highlighted in ministry in Nepal, they see us as a miracle in their lives. And may we not forget that that they see us as a miracle from God in their lives. And Lord, we want to do what you've called this house to do. And may we recognize that in our giving, there is an anointing that you're pouring out on this house. So Lord, we give our tithes and we give our offerings to further your kingdom in the earth. In your name, amen. God bless you as you give. Something about the way you move Jesus, nothing left for you to prove Jesus, I have a million reasons To trust what you are doing Amen. Do you believe that? God's got some great things in store for us, Amen. and I'm excited about uh, being part of that, you know. Uh, this message this morning I'm going to be sharing with you is, uh, uh, I entitled it, I, I Believe in Taking New Territories. And uh, that picture, that's uh, Mount Everest as we flew by it. I took that out of the plane window. Uh, that is the highest place on the planet, and it, it, it is interesting that we were in a nation that has got some of the tallest mountains in the world, which are high places, mm -hmm. which are spiritual uh, pilgrimage places for people all over the world. We met, uh, I, I met uh, a people, a guy from Penn State, I met a guy from Michigan, believe that, Michael? Uh, I met a bunch of people from Michigan. We met people from all over the world that were traveling through the airport with us. And it was interesting because I had a completely different message prepared for you before we left, because I like to be prepared, right? And while we were flying over the North Pole, the Lord said, no, I want to give you a completely different message. And uh, I was sitting there with my, my phone, because we don't take tablets or laptops with us when we go, and I, I typed up this message on my phone with my fat little thumbs and got a, you know, a bunch of typos, but that's what I want to talk to you about, because over the past two weeks, uh, a, a crew from this church representing you uh, went into new territories, and we had the privilege and opportunity to venture places where we've never been before, uh, new territories for the Lord. And all of us physically went to new locations, but we also also went spiritually to new locations. Yeah. 
And it was, it was in, we saw some incredible moves of God. We saw some amazing things that happened. Uh, we saw uh, Mike and Angie uh, got to minister to people, uh, some young ladies that were physically ill, but also uh, were demon-possessed, and uh, released them from that. And it was a power, Mike and Angie, were, it was powerful. Um, one of the things that we, yeah, it was, it was crazy, crazy beautiful. Uh, the reason why they, they went, because we met another pastor in Chitwan, which we, we actually, we tried to buy him a motorcycle on credit card, but they wouldn't accept my credit card. Uh, we were going to buy another pastor, who's uh, that pastor that's got four churches. And that one we, Pastor Lynn just talked about, we already raised money for him for that. And uh, we tried to buy it, and they wouldn't. They said, we'll take a check. And I'm like, I don't know check from America, you're going to take that? And I don't carry, you know, three grand in cash on me, you know, so uh, if you do, uh, you know, but, but uh, it was, we saw some amazing things. And so Mike and Angie, we were at the dealership trying to get them to see if a hotel would take the credit card and give them the money. And it was just a long process. And Mike and Angie went ahead and, and prayed and it was powerful. Uh, we ministered to church planters. We ministered to people that are going into uh, regions of the jungle of Nepal, into the Himalayan mountains. Uh, many of these church pa uh, planters have four, five, six churches that they pastor. Uh, many of them walk to those churches. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And I, I thought about how, how much of a blessing it is for us as a congregation to provide, you know, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news? Well, how, how beautiful are the motorcycles of those that bring good news? You know, it's not, they're not asking for like Husqvarna's. They're asking for a, a 125cc motorcycle that'll get them there so they don't have to walk three or four days to their next church. And uh, it, we are privileged to do, to do this. And so I was thinking about all that and thinking about how we, uh, we hosted a healing and a deliverance conference, and it was amazing things. God just did some incredible things. And I thought about, as I was uh, preparing, I got home last evening, uh, my wife, uh, she, she took a quick shower, she and Shelly took quick showers and went to bed, and I sat there and prayed for a little bit and just finalized some things. But I thought about the gospel in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where Jesus stood on the top of Mount Arbel, in, this, in the Galilean region of, 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 of Israel, he stood up on a high mountain that was uh, up above Tiberias, and the, the, the practice of rabbis is they'd take their disciples on a very physically challenging walk or climb, and then they would teach them a lesson that was equally spiritually challenging. And I thought that that's pretty much what we did while we were in Nepal. It was a very intense time, uh, very uh, uh, physically demanding, but also even more so spiritually demanding. And uh, listen to what the words of Jesus are. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, listen to this, to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It was interesting. I had the privilege to talk to about 30, 32 church planters, and they went around and they told me how many people were in their church, how many people they baptized that year, which for us, baptism isn't that really a big of a deal, but there it is because usually it's, a, it's associated with changing your religion, and it's a public declaration of your conversion experience, and uh, they go out and they go out in, in rivers and do it, they go out in ponds and do it, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, and what they're doing and what we're helping them to do, what you're helping them to do by giving and allowing us to go and sending teams, is we're establishing the kingdom of God. Amen. We're establishing the kingdom in God in regions where they've, some people have never even heard the name of Jesus. Right. 
And so it's amazing when you do that. And what is the kingdom of God? It's basically just the, the reign of God. It's where the domain and the, and the establishment of God's kingdom is. And that's what we're doing. And so when we're talking about this, we're talking about a place. We're talking about uh, taking the principles of the gospel into regions that have never heard it before. And it's, it's interesting because in heaven, the kingdom of God is perfect. But on earth, because of sin, it has been distorted. And so what we're called to do, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, is basically challenging us to take the gospel message from heaven, bring it down, and transcend it into the understanding of what people can process and experience. Like that young pastor that, that we, we met, he said, you know, I found a gospel track. No one explained anything to me, but I came to a revelation of who Jesus Christ was that transformed my life. Now he's transforming the lives of other people all over the area. And as a follower of Christ, we have, we have been given a mandate to expand the kingdom of God. Do you know that? That's what Matthew 28 is. It's not like, well, if you guys feel like it, do it. It's actually, we are called to go and to be discipling nations. We are called to go and disciple the people that God brings across our path in such a way that we can transform their lives. You know, in, in the, it's interesting in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter uh, 7, I don't have it up here. Uh, don't have it up here. Luke chapter 17, verse 21. It says that the kingdom of God is in your midst. Right. That's what Jesus was saying. He's saying basically the kingdom of God has been established in you so you can take it to the people you're associated with. And how do we do that? We do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit has been given to us through the resurrected Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, so that we can go and do what Jesus said when he taught us how to pray. What is the Lord's Prayer? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it's, it says that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we're doing is we're establishing the kingdom of God here on earth in a reference point that we look to heaven to establish. We want to look to heaven and say, what is heaven like? That's what we're trying to do on, on earth. We're trying to raise up the standards of God that are eternal, that are divine, that are pure, and take it into the world around us. And so one of the things we do is we pray for the kingdom of God to come. But how do we do that? We have to actually be people who are currently engaged in telling people about Jesus Christ. You know, we live in, an, in, a, in a culture, in a world that is really a conflict of two kingdoms. The kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of truth versus the kingdom of delusion. It is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. And one of the things that is really interesting is we, we often don't realize how dark of an area we live in until you expose it to the light of the gospel. And, and one of the things that Paul, I love the, the apostle Paul, is because he realized that in his life and ministry. Do you know that we live in an area, a lot of times this is interesting, I, I talk to Christians a lot of times and they think, um, they think America is this, this pure religious place. And they think it's just those, for, those foreign lands that are so dark. I tell you, we live in a very dark region right now. Uh, we tell people all the time, we are, we're not pastors in, in California, we're missionaries. Yeah. That our goal is to raise up the kingdom of God in this region. Amen. And we want to do that. And it's interesting because... While I was flying, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, David, go to Acts chapter 16. There's a story I want you to read, and I want you to share this with your church on Sunday. And so in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6, it's, it's Luke's account of Paul's missionary journey going from Asia into Europe. And it's really interesting because there's a lot of spiritual things that we could pull out of this text. Look what it says starting at verse 6. 
Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, but had been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messyria, and they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah, and they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, he got up at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, Paul was an interesting person because prior to his conversion, he was very anti the kingdom of, of, of Jesus. And as soon as he gets converted, he's all about establishing Jesus' kingdom. And when he, he had this encounter with the Lord on the, the road to Damascus, it radically changed his perspective on what he was going to do. And Paul was going about, he was doing a good thing. He was sharing the gospel. He was proclaiming the good news to, to Asia. But something happened. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 is an interesting verse in this text because it tells us that while they were going about doing what they should have been doing and doing what they were doing, they, they, they were kept by the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting phrase. Literally, the original language, the word there that's kept is, is the Greek word kulu, uh, and it literally means they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to do what they were currently doing. Right. And I, 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 was, I was thinking about this. I thought, have you guys ever experienced that? Has the Holy Spirit ever checked you or stopped you from doing something? You know, I think that's a, a very important thing we need to ask ourselves. Are we doing it in ourselves, or is the Holy Spirit char charging us to do it? Because the Lord was putting something, a stop into something that they were doing, not because it was bad, it was good, but God had something better for them. You know, I don't know if you like country western music. Anyone like country western music? You know, Garth Brooks' song, Unanswered Prayers, you ever hear that? It's a song about Garth Book, Garth Garth Brooks, that's jet lag kicking in if you didn't realize it. It's a, it's, it's a, a Garth Brooks song about he and his wife returning to his hometown and going to a local football game and running into his, his high school girlfriend. And he basically, the, the lyrics, the ending of the song say something that I thought was like something like Paul might tell us. He said, some of God's greatest gifts are all too often unanswered. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, you know? And what God's word tells us is sometimes the Holy Spirit wants us, we're praying for one thing, and God says, no, I've got something better for you. That's the whole premise of Garth Brooks' song. He looked at his high school flame that he thought was so amazing, and then he turns to his wife and says, wow, I got a better deal, you know? And God has a better deal for Paul when he listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit and he listens and he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but God says, wait, check, time out. I remember in my own life, I was talking to one of the pastors and he, he asked me my testimony and I told him how I was training to, to be a recreation and parks major. I was going to work for the National Park Service, but something happened between my junior and senior year of college that radically transformed that experience. And that was my conversion experience. And then not only was I converted to faith, but God called me into ministry. And I, and I was talking to this man. I said, I remember in the 1970s thinking I wanted to go to Nepal because I wanted to climb Everest. Now I want to go to Nepal because I want to help, help church planters build the kingdom of God. And I said, that's a much greater calling than it is ever would be to climb Everest. You know, plus I'm too old. I flew by it. And I got like oxygen deprivation just flying by it, you know. 
Plus, I couldn't afford it. You know, it costs between $45,000 and $150,000 to climb Mount Everest. People don't realize that. And Nepali told me that if he would climb it, it'd cost him 2000 USD. I mean, that's a lot of money. And I think I would much rather invest that money in the establishment of God's kingdom. And, and, and you know, we are entering, I want to let you know this, church, you and I, together, we're entering a new dimension of the kingdom of God and what God wants to do through us establishing it. He's taking us to new places. He's taking us to places we've never been before. He's taking us and allowing us to invest in those places to establish his kingdom. What a blessed privilege that is. It's not a burden. It's not burdensome. It's not, it's not overwhelming. It's something that God is saying, I'm allowing us to do. And there is a reward for those of us that take part in this. And you could take part by going, by giving, or, or praying. And God wants us to know that. And the Holy Spirit was checking Paul at this time. Look at verse 6 and 7. And it says, And when they came to the border of Messiah, and they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord would not allow them. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. Messiah was located, if you don't know your geography, Bible geography, it was in modern-day Turkey. It was south of Istanbul. And, and, and the region there was a, was a very strong, uh, a powerful area of the world at the time because it was a border from one nation, from one continent into the, the next. And, and it's interesting because as they went to that border area, it was the border between Asia and Europe, and the region was a strategic landmass for the Roman Empire. It was an area that they had a stronghold established. And as Paul was preaching and preaching the gospel in that region south of Istanbul, they, the Holy Spirit checked them. He says, I want you to go up a different route. And they went up there and they went to basically not just two great continents, but two great powers that were there. There was the power of the kingdom of this world, which was established by Rome, and there was also the establishment of the kingdom of God, which God was using Paul to do. And there were spiritual forces at work in there. And he says, not only that, I'm going to take you to Bithynia. Bithynia was a, a very important area. It's, it's north of Istanbul. And if you know the, 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 uh, the area there, the uh, uh, Bosporus Strait, it was the strait between the two continents. It was north of Istanbul. There's a long region. And it was an area that was known for gold production. Right. It was an area that was known in that time, in that region, as a place where there was incredible wealth. And what Paul was being told is, I'm going to take you from, from a, a physical arena into a spiritual arena. And what, what happens is he goes to this border. And, and what is a border? I mean, we went through a border. We went through lots of borders this trip. A border is basically a crossing from one region, one part, one place to an edge, to an edge of another one. And you know, crossroads right now, we're at an edge of a border. Right. We're at a place that God's saying, I'm taking you into a new place, into a new dimension, into a new region that God is going to do through us. And so my question is, what borders are you at right now? What, things are, what, what area in your life is God brought you to the edge of something where you could see into the next region, but you don't know how to get there. That's really what he's saying to Paul here. He's saying, I've, I've, I'm, I'm going to allow you, Paul, to get up to a place where there's a line that you need to cross, and you need to choose this day what you're going to do. You know, I believe all of us have opportunities every day, every week, every, every year to have new seasons, but a lot of times we don't like to go into them because we're, we're a little bit intimidated about going into a new season. We, we not, we're not sure of what it entails. Right. You know, one of the things that God wants us to do is get out of the familiar and get into faith. Right. 
that so many times we want the familiar because we could manage that. But God's saying, I want to take you into something even better. I want some of those unanswered prayers to become reality for you. I want what I've called you to do to take you into the next region. So look at verses 9 and 10. During the night, this is where Paul is, they're checked by the Holy Spirit not to move forward. But during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. You know, a lot of times we hear the voice of people calling out for help, but we want to deafen our ears to it. Because it's taking us out of our comfort zone. It's taking us out of the things that we think we need versus realizing there is a great burden out there. You know, I I thank God that that I I live a a, a life that I can say, God, anytime you want to take anything you have from us, feel free to take it. I hold everything very loosely. I hold my job very loosely. I hold my my home very loosely. I hold my possessions very loosely because I know anytime the Lord asks me to give it, I'm willing to give it. And my wife, we've made that decision long time ago that if the Lord says, give it all up and go, we're going to give it all up and go. And, and that's something, that's a, that's a place, why? Because we, we've understood that the hands of the Lord have been with us in everything that we've done. And I want to assure you, just like Paul in this text, God will take care of you. Yes. Quit worrying about it. Right. So what happens? He basically has this vision, and he says, I love how the text says this. After Paul had seen this vision, he got ready at once. He didn't drag his feet. Well, is God really speaking to me? Yeah. You know, if I've had a dollar for every time I've heard people say God's told them to do something and a year later they're still not doing it, I'd take you all out for lunch. You know, because we are called to be responsive to the Spirit when the Spirit tells us to do something. And a lot of times we get ourselves in a lot of spiritual trouble because we don't respond when the Holy Spirit tells us to. And then all of a sudden, somewhere down the pike, something comes up and we're like caught in the, in the midst of a, a catastrophe because we didn't respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I love what Paul did because as soon as he, he had the, the vision, he jumped on it. And I tell you, we are living the dreams, dreams and prophetic uh, uh, dreams and prophetic uh, uh, visions are actually a sign of a prophetic church. Yeah. Why do I say that? Because in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it tells us, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not some, all people. So your sons and your daughters, they'll prophesy. That's talking about the young people prophesying. But the older men will, will do what, Michael? We'll start seeing visions, right? We start seeing dreams. We start, we start dreaming things because we're older and God speaks to us and, and we have a divine encounter. And a, a dream or a spiritual vision is basically God getting your attention right, right. and saying, I have something else for you to do rather than what you think you're going to do. Right. And let me tell you something. You're never too old to do what God's called you to do. A lot of times people think, well, I'm just going to retire and I'm going to sit on the porch and do something. You know, we were sending text messages to our kids while we were overseas. And my daughter-in-law, I love her. Kelly, I love her. She's so sweet. She says, some, some grandparents are sitting on a porch knitting, but my grand, my, my, uh, you, you guys as grandparents are traveling all over the world preaching the gospel. You know why? Because I'm not going to sit in a recliner until the day I have to. And I tell you what, I I promise I will give it all for the Lord. And what Paul does, he says, you're going to see old men who will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, 
I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. You see, a prophetic church, and I believe we are a very prophetic church, not pathetic, prophetic. There's a difference between those two if you don't know it, okay? Look up Webster and it'll tell you. We are a prophetic church, a church that's moving the kingdom of God forward. And my question for you is this. Are you having dreams and visions? Do you have a spiritual and dream for your life? Do you have something that you want God to do that you think is impossible, but with God all things become possible? And I believe that dreams, dreams are really important. And, and if you have a dream, then you have a vision that God has given you. Sit down and talk to someone who's spiritually mature, that's rooted and grounded in the word. Because dreams and visions never, listen to me, never contradict the word of God. They will always confirm the word of God. And they will take you to a new level of understanding the word of God. And that's what Paul's doing. And he's, he's showing us that as a mature believer, God's going to start speak, speaking to you, not just in your conscious awareness, but while you're sleeping and while you're dreaming. Think about that. God can speak to you all the time, even while you're in bed. You know, and I always tell people, keep a pad of paper by your bed. Keep a, a notepad so if the Lord speaks to you, you can get up and you can jot down those things. And then when you wake up in the morning, you pull up and say, that's what God was saying to me at night. And he responds. And look what happens. Look at verse 11 of Acts chapter 16. And from Troas, they put out to sea, and they sailed straight through uh, Samothrace. Samothrace. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And the next day they went to the, uh, Neapolis. I need my fourth espresso this morning, okay? From there they traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city in the district of Macedonia, and they stayed there for several days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, who was a dealer in purple cloths, and she was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she had, and a number of her members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me uh, a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, that was a pretty powerful woman. Why did I know that? Because she persuaded Paul, who said, nothing's going to persuade me, <laughs> you know. And uh, it's interesting because in the midst of that divine encounter he had with God and the dream that he had to go into Macedonia, God opened up Europe to the gospel. Yeah. Think about that. He takes, God, he takes God's servant and he places him in Philippi, which Philippi was an interesting place because there were gold mines in Philippi. And it was a, it was a wealthy area. Right. It was an area where God uh, took the gospel into a place that had incredible amount of wealth. And by, by the time that uh, Paul reached there, the Romans had founded and established a colony there. They established a very strong place there. They had military authority, a military presence, and it was really a wealthy, wealthy military stronghold for the Roman Empire. You know, it's interesting. We live in a place that is incredibly wealthy. Yes, we, do. we live in one of the wealthiest parts of the world. I don't know if you know that. You know, if you're trying to buy a house, you probably do. But the state of California has the, has the largest in the largest. Uh, economy in the United States. Do you know that? Last year, it had $3.4 trillion in gross national product. $3.4 trillion. It's the largest subnational economy in the world. California, if it was a sovereign nation, would be the fifth most wealthiest nation in the world. Think about that. We're living in an area that has got a larger economy than India. 
It's got, it's only, it's only one of the only, three or four other uh, countries larger than us as, as a, a thing. And so, you know, the, you think about last year's, the, 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 the uh, gross national product for uh, California for 2022 was $3.5 trillion. I mean, we're living in a wealthy, wealthy area. And not only is the state motto Eureka, but I think as a spiritual person, I remember standing in the geographic center of the state of California with my wife and I up near Bass Lake, and we prophesied that God would allow us as a church and allow us as a community of faith to take the wealth of this nation and use it, this nation's state, and use it for the establishment of his kingdom. And you know what? We're doing it, folks. And we're going to continue to do it because God has called us and God has given us a mandate. So every time you see the the motto of California, Eureka, realize we found it too. And the founding that we found is that God has called us to establish his kingdom. You know, it's interesting because he, he says in verse 13 that they went outside the city gates and they found Lydia. Well, who is Lydia? Lydia was this incredible businesswoman that was a seeker of God. She was a woman that was, they would, uh, other places in Scripture in the New Testament would call them a God-fearer, someone that didn't have all the facts, but they were waiting to know God because they had a, a purity of heart. And not only was she a God-fearer, but it's amazing because she's the first Christian convert in Europe. She was the first fruit of what God had called Paul to do. And I tell you, when you go and you go to the first fruit, there's a special anointing that goes with that. And some of us, we don't realize this, but by what we're doing in the nations, we're producing first fruit believers. We're taking the gospel into places that it has never gone before, and we're going to have a reward for that. And we don't do it for the reward. We do it because of the call of God on our life. But the byproduct is there is a reward to us. And what, what Lydia was, she, she had a powerful, a power, listen to this, she had a powerful relationship with the community because she was what they call a seller of purple or a, pur- a dealer of purple cloth. And purple cloth was only used by royalty. It, you, could have, you could not wear purple clothing in the Roman Empire unless you're of the royal uh, family. So she was working with the 1% of the 1% of the time. And she was a person that, that served that community. And because of that, she had incredible influence. Let me tell you, some of you are working in relationships with people that are very, very wealthy, that are going to give you connections to people. If you would use that for the kingdom of God, you would be amazed at what would happen. Those people may never darken the door of a church right now, but because of your testimony, because of what God's done in your life, they may be like Lydia and say, you know, I might might have some things that I'm going through, but I'm I'm seeking. And and all they need is someone to communicate the good news of the gospel to them. You know, how many opportunities do you and I miss when we don't tell people about what the Lord's done in our life? You know, Lydia was this unsuspected weapon in the hands of God. Yeah. Here she is, first of all, she's a lady in a, in a male-dominated culture, right. in a time where she is incredibly wealthy, and she's taking the gospel, and, and as a result of her coming to faith, her whole household comes to faith, and then she has the audacity to tell the apostle Paul, no, you're staying in town for a few more days, because I want to connect you with people that are going to help you to spread the gospel in places that you don't have the influence to go. Let me tell you something. Some of you have relationships with people that are not man-ordained. They're God-ordained. And you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit just like Paul did so you can communicate that message to them in a way that's pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. 
You know, several years ago, I think it was about eight years ago, I, pre I preached a message, uh, and I preached out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, verse 2 and 3, about how God wanted to enlarge the place of your tent. Well, the Lord, it was interesting because right before the annual business meeting this last month, the Lord told me, use that as a text on the front cover. And let me tell you, God wants to expand the territory of this church. God wants to expand the territory of what we're doing. And the word in the, in the Hebrew literally means to stretch out, to bend, to extend, and to mature what God wants to do. And God is doing something here that you may not be aware of. And you may say, well, we're still small in numbers, David. That doesn't matter. Because as God begins to stretch the tent, he's going to provide opportunity. But what it takes is for all of us to be preachers of the gospel. It's not just the five of us that are pastors on staff. It's all of us proclaiming the gospel everywhere we go. And one of the things he's doing is he's allowing us to cross into new territories and new regions to establish his kingdom. And how does he do that? Because Jesus has given you authority. Do you know that? In the gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 19, look what he says. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Well, if he can take care of physical things like scorpions and snakes, he can take care of some of the snakes in the business world you deal with. You know? And God wants to do it. And, and, and how did he do that? Because Jesus had been given authority. In John chapter 17, verse 2, the Father says that I have given him all authority. So if God has given Jesus authority, by us being sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, we have been given the same authority to take the gospel everywhere we go. And how do we do that? You have to wait and listen, and listen to the, uh, the authority that God has given to you. My question for you this morning is, how many of you are walking in that authority? How many of you are walking like you're a son or daughter of the Most High God? That you're like Lydia who can go into the royal courts of people because you have the prestige of the, the anointing of God on you. And God wants to anoint you in such a way that you take the gospel places that it can never go. I believe the Lord's calling this church. And that means you and me and us to a greater authority, to kingdom authority. Not political authority, not, not social authority, not human authority, but kingdom authority. There's a big difference, folks, because kingdom authority is not based upon you and what you have. It's based upon him and what flows through you. Listen to what the gospel says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I am going to send you what my father had promised, but you're to stay in the city until I have, you've been clothed with what? Power from on high. And then he drops down into, into verse, uh, four, uh, verse 26 of John 14, and he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I don't remember everything in the Scripture. That's fine, because the Holy Spirit does. And if you would just allow yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit, he will remind you of everything that Jesus said, and you'll be able to communicate with clarity and understanding to people around you what the message of Christ is. Remember, Jesus said, go into all the nations. Go into every corner of every nation that you deal with. Go into the businesses you have. Go into the families you have. Go into the friends you have and declare the good news of Christ. And then in Acts, I love this. Acts is one of my favorite books because it's the, the birth of the church. He says in Acts 1.8, but you, who? You, not pastors. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? 
in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, in your Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of your world. You may never trek in the Himalayas, but I'll tell you what, you can share the gospel with someone from Nepal that works in this town. You can take the gospel into your workplace. You can stand at the fence and talk to your neighbor about Jesus. When are you going to start taking the gospel to your Jerusalem? When are you going to take it to your Judea and your Samaria? That's when we start seeing the kingdom of God manifesting itself. And in, in Acts chapter 4, it says, I love this. And the place that they prayed, <laughs> when they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with timidity. <laughs> That's the way some of our Bibles read, right? We get filled with the Holy Spirit, and instead of being bold, we get timid. God wants to empower you and embolden you, not to obnoxious you, but to embolden you to have the, the, the spiritual understanding and insight that God's Spirit is going to lead your speech and allow you to talk to people and to speak into their lives. And you know what's amazing? We were at this pastor's conference. The guy that was interpreting for me wasn't a spirit-filled Christian. He was a believer, but he wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, was, I, I went around, Michael and I went around, and we were praying for these pastors, and I, I started prophesying over them and speaking things in their life. And later on in the day, he goes, you know, that was really weird because you don't know anything about these people, but you were saying things that they had told me months ago in prayer that they wanted prayer for and you're laying hands on them and you're praying those very things that these pastors told me they need. he goes how do you do that and i said it's not by might it's not it's not by power it's by the holy spirit and god wants to empower you the same way to be able to lay hands on people to pray with people to talk with people and do it in a way that speaks to their spiritual nurturance I asked Pastor Rebecca if she'd play the song to close this sermon entitled Fire, because that's what it takes, folks. It takes more of the Holy Spirit flowing through you. So as a, as a word of response, I just want us to stand, and we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord, and we're going to use this, this, this worship song as a testimony of our surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that we can take more territory for His kingdom. Fire, fall on us, come, start a new revival, fire, fall on us, let's sing fire, 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 fall on us, start a new revival, fire, fall on us, like it did, like it did on the day.
We enter into that new territory with your fire. Your fire is your Holy Spirit. Your fire is a fuel of passion for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, every person in this room, you are knocking on the door saying, Hello, I got some new territory for you. This is a season of new territory. But you got to say yes, and you can't enter it without my fire. 
I will energize you. I will fuel you for your new territory. I will fuel you. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for what you're doing through crossroads in the nations. We thank you what you're doing in this house, in our ministries. Lord, we're going to believe you for more, but we just don't do that in our thoughts. We do that in our words and actions, Lord. So, Father, we receive that fire. We don't reject it. We don't pour some doubt on it. We receive it. We may not understand everything you're saying. We may not understand it in our physical mind, but you didn't ask us to understand it because you even say in Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Listen, if it's attainable in our own thoughts, they're not your thoughts because it's attainable in our flesh. But Lord, you want us to believe for things that are not attainable in our flesh. You want us to believe for things that are only attainable by your power. And so Lord, we're gonna believe you for greater things through us and in us, Father. And over this house together, we're believing you for greater things, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your word this day in your name amen god bless you as you go we're going to have a prayer team over here if you need special prayer god bless you have a great day